We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. Life with our feelings, emotions, challenges, joys, sorrows, that we would run to you with all that we are and cling to all that you are. Would you help your church cherish that act, not despise it, not be averse to it? Would you help us to love trusting you with our life? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. And at this time, children, you're dismissed. Ages seven and lower can head to the Gathering Lights Children's Ministry. Again, I just want to welcome you to church. My name is Mike Newman, if you're visiting here. And today I have the privilege of giving you, giving you God's Word. Um, I love... Uh, January. I love preaching in January. It seems like um, God's people have a receptivity um, to God's word and to change. They um, um, just by the natural rhythm and flow of the year, they're they're looking at the trajectory of the year and open to adjust and tweak and turn uh, areas of their life. And so I, I love preaching in January. Uh, every January we. Um, we return to fasting and praying, um, and we seek the Lord together through that. And so some people are cutting sugar, some people are cutting meals, and some people are cutting Netflix, but we're all together uh, seeking the Lord in some form or fashion and asking Him this question, uh, Lord, what would you have for me this year? Uh, I'm yours, I'm surrendering. Lord, would you use my life? Um, we, we communicate the vision, the values of our, our church in three arrows. We say up, that we want our life to glorify God. We want to love Him with all that we have, heart, mind, soul, strength. Um, we want to be a church that reaches out. We're on mission. We want to bring the light to the darkness. And so next week, uh, the week after that, the 29th is devoted towards what does it mean to be a, um, a person, an individual, and a church that is um, outward focused. And then this week, as Tim said, um, we're focusing on the in arrow. What does it mean to love one another, to grow in Christ, and to make disciples, to help one another know Him more? Um, there's a story in church history about John the Apostle. Um, after Jesus died on the cross and He rose again and He ascended into heaven, uh, John lived longer and he ministered in this church and he was really old in his age. And um, uh, there, was, there was men that would carry him in to the church week after week to deliver a sermon. And he gave the same sermon um, week after week, history records. And it was just a few words. Um, and he did it every week and it changed the church. 
and it had ripple effects and it changed the, the world. And all he did, I wonder how you would respond to this sermon if someone would just bring me in, set me down, and it was this short. Ready? I'll say it in like an old man language. So pretend this was John the Apostle. Ready? Brothers and sisters, love one another. And then they would pick him up and they would bring him on out. That was the sermon. Some of you like wanting lunch a little earlier. You'd probably love that sermon, wouldn't you? <laughs> and then the next week, they'd bring him in and you'd say, brothers and sisters, love one another. Let's cut him out next week. Brothers and sisters, love one another. And that was it. It changed the world. Uh, this sermon uh, will be a little bit longer than that. Um, we're actually going through the book of Jeremiah as an overview. As I said last week, part of my role is to expose you to the whole counsel of God. We uh, did Habakkuk last week, which was three chapters. This Sunday, Jeremiah is a little bit longer, and so I hope you pack the lunch, actually. Just kidding. Um, it'll, be, it'll be fine. But if you, if you want to go there now, we're in the book of Jeremiah. If you're new to the scriptures, just kind of open up kind of towards the middle and if you see like Isaiah or something, you're in the right space. You can go Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, and then you'll hit Jeremiah. And I asked Joe um, if he would lead us in that song in particular, um, because if we are praying for one thing for our church this Sunday, it would be one word, and that would be that you would cling. That you would cling to God. And so that's the title of the message if you're taking notes, and the timeless truth we say, or the sermon in one sentence, the truth that was true for them back then, and it, what is true for us now is this, is that when God calls you to love, He calls you to cling to Him. So when God calls you to love, when God gives you a ministry and, 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 and sends you forth, He sends you in such a way that you must to him you must trust him and that process is beautiful it's hard it's wonderful it's got ups and downs but it's the best thing it is the greatest adventure and we're going to see today that god's people when they listen to god and they cling to him that the result is that god works and he gets glory and this is the verbiage of Jeremiah, is that, that we would be a people and a name and a praise and a glory to God. That whole process, that's what happens when you cling to Him with your life. And so we'll have two points today. We're going to talk about Jeremiah's calling and our calling. So point number one is about the calling, and then point number two is about clinging. So let's go ahead and get started. Let's look at Jeremiah's life and his calling. Um, the reason why we chose Jeremiah is that he was given a ministry. And throughout the process, he was called to cling to him. So let's look at chapter 1, uh, the first conversation that we have with Jeremiah and God. I'm in verse 4. This is the word of the Lord. Now the word of the Lord came to me, that is Jeremiah, saying, 
watch this beautiful truth. This is awesome. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. That's set apart. I made you holy for a special purpose. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Let's just pause right there. So church, what a, what a beautiful way to, to start off a ministry. God telling you that you were set apart for a purpose. That He chose you. He knew you even before you were born. And He's saying to Jeremiah, you are perfect for this job. Isn't that great? Now next week we're going to jump into all the, all the beautiful truths about like how God knew you before you were born. He knew you in the womb at Sanctity of Life Sunday. But I just want you to focus on the fact that God formed you and fashioned you for a purpose. And your purpose, catch this, is to love and follow Him. So all you teachers in the room, all you engineers, all, whatever job you, you have, whatever, whatever vocation you have, you might think, well, that's why God made me, formed me, and fashioned me. But you have been formed and fashioned and made and purposed to love and serve God and to bring Him glory. Amen? And so when you are teaching at the schools, it's not that you're a teacher who happens to be a Christian and maybe like sometime you could like insert the love of God somewhere. Or like when you're engineering, you're an engineer and you just happen to be a Christian. But first and foremost, doctors and nurses, whatever, you are a Christian formed in fashion and purpose by God to love and follow Him and to make His name great. You're a Christian who happens to be a teacher or who happens to work in the plumbing industry. And God has given you that platform and His purpose so that you would use it for His glory and fame and His renown. That is your calling in life. You're a Christ follower. You're sent by Him to love Him to worship Him, to serve your local church, and to be a light in your community for Christ. Jeremiah was given this calling. Let's check out what his first reaction was, okay? Meet me in verse 6. You might not be surprised by his reaction because many of us have reacted in the same way. Watch this. Then I said, this is Jeremiah, Ah, oh, Lord, God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. <laughs> Isn't that fascinating? Like, here's Jeremiah. He's talking to God, like audibly. He's hearing God. He's talking back to him. And he, his first reaction is one of insecurity. Like God just laid out before him the sweetest truths ever. I knew you before you were born. I created you. I've set you here. I've called you for a purpose. And his reaction is, but me, but I can't, I don't, uh, I don't speak what my age. You ever been there? <laughs> me too. Right? We've all been there. 
Watch how God responds, okay? Verse 7, but the Lord said to me, do not say, I'm only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And so we have it. There we have it. Like that message of God with us, Emmanuel, the greatest truth of Christianity. It separates us from all other religions. Our God is not a God who is far off, but he's with us. His very presence, his power, his ministry resides in us, works through us. He is with us. Question, does this promise that the ministry is going to be an easy one? It does not. It doesn't. And Jeremiah this book is special. Remember last week, Habakkuk, he was given this ministry and the whole book is him just praying to the Lord. Jeremiah is a little bit different in that it's biographical. It shares about his experiences, stories of real life, his experiences of intense sorrows, of tremendous persecution, of him getting beat down and thrown out and rejected. And this guy tenderly preaches what God tells him to preach faithfully for 40 years. One time, just to, just to give you a snapshot of Jeremiah, we were in chapter 1. Don't, you don't have to go there, but this is from uh, chapter 38. One time, Jeremiah was told some news to tell God's people and to tell the king. Okay, he's talking to the people of Judah, and it wasn't very easy news. It was it was hard news. It was hard truth, and the king didn't like it. And so the king said, "How about we kill this guy, Jeremiah? I, I actually don't like what he's saying to us." Um, I and and so so he gives this announcement: "Let's kill him." A friend says, "Well, I know what we should do. There's a cistern over there. It's all dried up. It's filled with muck and poop." Let's throw him in there and let Jeremiah die. And the king says, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And so they take a whole bunch of guys and they throw Jeremiah in there. Josh, how would you like that? How would you like that? You're giving this message to the youth. And you say, we actually don't like his message. Let's throw him in poop. What a ministry that God's given you, huh? Jeremiah's in there. Somebody hears about it. They gather 30 men. These 30 men um, tear up these, 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 these cloths. They make a rope. Jeremiah is so weak that they shout down and he's got he's to put them around his armpits and they, they drag him up out of the nastiness. And listen to how Jeremiah responds in his life and his ministry and being in, his, in the low places, literally. Verse 13 of 38. And Jeremiah, catch this, remained in the courtyard of the guard. 
If you just if you if you read through Jeremiah, you'll see it all over the place, especially packed within these chapters. And Jeremiah remained. And this happened, and this was hard, and he remained. And then this happened, and what did Jeremiah do? He remained. It was the ministry that God set forth for Jeremiah. It was his calling. Let's talk about our calling for a moment. If Jeremiah remained, what are we supposed to do? What does that mean for us? What is our calling? And just a little theology for us here. Um, when, I, when we use the word calling, when, I, when I'm saying Jeremiah's calling, what is our calling? I don't mean it in a mystical sense. Or I don't mean it in a sense where like perhaps you've seen uh, ministers say, well, when I was 12 or when I was 17, I was called to the ministry. Um, I think we know what they mean. Um, but in Scripture, really, we see two calls of Scripture. One is um, the calling of salvation, where God calls his people to himself. We say it's the, the effectual calling, that when God called you, that he saved you, he brought you to himself, he sanctified you. Um, we say he, that's when you were born again, you were justified, all those great terms. So in a sense, all Christians, when they became a Christian, they were called. The next calling that we see in Scripture is a call to discipleship. And this also applies to all Christians. This is a call to all His followers to love Him, to obey Him, and to take part in the Great Commission. So the Great Commission, it doesn't mean that you just like throw a few bucks in the offering plate. Or it doesn't mean that you... Um, oh, I went on a 10-day mission trip. I'm, I'm doing the Great Commission. Although giving and mission trips are a part of the, the Great Commission, it's a good thing. Primarily, it starts, that is, the ministry of loving one another and making disciples. The Great Commission for all believers starts in the local church. It starts with the people that you have covenanted with to grow in Christ and to help one another, one another grow. This is the call to build the kingdom of God through His local church. I think over the past uh, 20 or 30 years, the church broadly now, the church, um, the universal church, has done a good job teaching away from the mentality of that, that discipleship, that making disciples... The people who are supposed to do the Great Commission are professionals only. The church has taught us out of that. I don't think anyone says that now. Like, oh, the Great Commission, that's for the professionals. Do you hear that anymore? We used to. We used to. I don't think people are, say that anymore, which is a good thing. Yet it is true as we witness and watch the church that some take discipleship to be optional. Would you agree with that? That some think, yeah, that's, that's not for me. And, and what's going on in the heart when people say, that's for other people? It doesn't, it doesn't apply to me. What, what's happening 
What, what dark shadow is existing in their hearts that, that make them say that? I don't know all the time. I'm not sure what's going on in your heart when, when you hear that. Um, one man named Mark Dever wrote this. He said, if you say you're a Christian, but you're not helping other Christians follow Jesus, I'm just simply not sure what you mean. So when we talk about our calling to love and follow him and take part in the Great Commission, hey church, does it scare anyone? Does it make you a little nervous? Have you ever reacted to the Great Commission like Jeremiah reacted to his calling? With insecurity? Have you ever said like, well, that's just not my gift? Or, uh, oh, I don't think anyone needs me. Or, if I tried, maybe it wouldn't be received. Or, I just don't think I would be good at it. Or maybe, I hear this one a lot. Well, what if I start and someone asks me a question and I don't know the answer? I don't want that to happen. And so a good place for our church to start is this. Um, you've heard it before. You've heard it this morning. Is that we want to help you. Our role is to equip you to do the work of ministry. And so one of the the great on-ramps that, that we say here is, hey, if you want to join our church, if you're looking to make this church your home, we're going to ask you to join a group and to serve on a team. Why? Um, we believe that these are just two good basic structures to help you love and follow Jesus. To, uh, to join a group would be to help you grow with others in Christ to know, to meet others, to develop deeper relationships so that you can help one another grow in Christ. Uh, and then to serve on a team so that you would serve the body of Christ, that you would use your gifts. Um, and that would be a good platform or an on-ramp for you to serve God. Um, so that's, that's principle, okay? But you're like, all right, I got you, Newman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what, what is a win, like, what would our church define as a win? Um, what am I talking about? Okay, so let's just take like one of those teams. You saw Dave Zender come up and talk about setup. What would a win look like for our church? Certainly, it would be like, let's just say a dad comes and sets up chairs. We'd be like, yes, all right. He woke up a little early. He gave of himself unto the Lord. He's serving not just himself. He's serving the assembly like the church. It's a wonderful thing. That's a win. It's a good thing. All right. What would, what would be even more cool? Okay. Let's say he woke up. Or the night before he said, hey, son, I want you to wake up with me. And I want, you, I want to teach you how to serve the church. Let's do this joyfully together. We'd be like, whoo, that's even cooler. All right, that's wonderful. Now, dad coming alone, that's a win, but a dad and a son, now that's, praise the Lord, all right? What would be even cooler? 
Okay, let's just say their attitude when they got here was not the greatest, and they were like taking chairs off a rack, and then as soon as they're done, they jet out. All right, and be like, oh, oh, that. I mean, yes, the chairs are so thank you, but like we would just, right? That kind of feeling. What if they were like this? They're setting up the chairs, okay? And they're looking around. They're engaging other people. Hey, how was your week? How you doing? Hey, anywhere I can pray for you? Oh yeah. Hey, how did the test go? Oh man, I get. Hey, did your is your mom okay? I heard she had surgery. Hey, tell you what, let's do this, and then let's go grab a donut real quick. Us four, me and your son, me and my son, and then let's make it back to prayer at nine. What do you say? Hey, moms. Would it be okay? Like, would you get excited if your husband and your son were doing that together on Sunday mornings? Would you? I, it, would, it would be costly, moms, because you wouldn't see him on Sunday morning. But wouldn't that be awesome to teach your son to serve the Lord in that manner? That, my friends, that's a win. That is a huge win, okay? Just an example. I'm not picking on anyone. It could be like we work, worked out in any sort of team, but that would be a win. What about a win in a group? Would this be a win? Honey, let's go to group. It's every month, twice a month or every week. Let's just go. You show up, sit there, you're in there. Does God use that time in your life? Probably. I mean, yeah, but like what would be a win for a group? Okay, you're sitting in there. Someone shares a prayer request. Someone shares something as a response to God's word. A win would be, hey, sweetheart, did you hear Johnny share that? I think the Lord's leading me to pursue him. I think he needs needs prayer. Monday morning, you're on your way to work. You call him, hey, Johnny, what you shared last night? Hey, thanks, man. I've been there too. Hey, I was praying about it when I went home. I was wondering, I don't know. I was wondering if you want to like get together and talk more about it. Or maybe I was wondering if you if you want to memorize some scripture about that. Because, because I'm here in your life and you're here in mine so that we would grow together in Christ. And it might be a little awkward. You might think I'm a little direct or forward, but I don't know. I'm just trying. I'm just giving it a shot. You want to? Friends, that would be a win in the life of this local church. God would look down upon us and be so pleased by his followers helping one another grow in Christ. You see how it's so much more than a chair? It's so much more than just a time slot in your your Sunday evening or your Wednesday evening. This thing called following Christ is all-consuming. And I pray that it would occupy your mind and your heart and it would permeate your whole calendar. I'm just trying to give little examples of how it could flesh itself out. So starting or continuing the journey of making disciples, of helping one another grow in Christ, of here's how, another way how we've defined it. What does it mean to, to, to pursue the in arrow in our church, doing deliberate spiritual good for another person. 
what then? Okay, so if we agree that that's where we're headed, if that's the, the calling on our life, if that's where we're needing to go, and if we've decided, yes, it's worth it, it's going to be scary, but it's worth it. Then the question is, ready? What's it going to take? What's it going to take? How is it going to change? Like, How are we supposed to pray about this? Talk to the Lord about it? What's it going to take? And that's point number two, to cling. That's the answer that we get from the book of Jeremiah, cling. Okay? Now, you're about to hear one of my favorite uh, Old Testament stories. It's, it's probably the most untaught story um, for probably two reasons. One, it's buried deep in Jeremiah. You know, and there's not a whole lot of people like reading these, these, these prophets. They like gravitate more to the Gospels or the, uh, you know, Paul or something like that. But the other reason why it's probably not taught is because it's about Jeremiah's underwear. And so... Would you please turn to chapter 13 with me and let's learn about what God calls Jeremiah to do with his underwear. Are you ready? Kids, are you okay with that? It's going to be all right. Everybody wears it. God talks about it. I'm going to start in verse 1 and we're going to read all the way through 7. Thus says the Lord to me, Go and buy a linen loincloth. All right, I don't need to like break down the Hebrew for you, but that is that's like waist cloth or like the innermost garment of a person, underwear. Okay, and put it around your waist and do not dip it in water, which that is immediate application for us as well. Don't do that. Okay, so I bought a loincloth. This is Jeremiah now, according to the word of the Lord. And put it around my waist. And the word of the Lord came to me a second time. Take the loincloth that you have bought, which is around your waist, and arise. Go to the Euphrates and hide it there in a cleft of a rock. So I went and hid it by the Euphrates, as the Lord commanded me. And after many days, the Lord said to me, Arise, go to the Euphrates and take from there the loincloth that I commanded you to hide there. And then I went to the Euphrates and dug, and I took the loincloth from the place where I, where I had hidden it. And behold, the loincloth was spoiled. It was good for nothing. God bless you and the word of the Lord. Have a wonderful day. Go Bengals. I talked to some of you about the Bengals game. Most of you are not nervous about tonight. It's pretty great. You're feeling pretty confident, so... You're doing a great job concentrating, by the way. We're in Jeremiah at a playoff game. Most guys would think this is ministerial suicide, you know, but we're going for it, and you're doing a great job. All right, so let's just take a few moments and observe um, God's conversation with Jeremiah, okay? Look at first how Jeremiah listened to God, okay? Look at verse 2 with me. He was told by God to go buy some underwear and bury it. And look at verse 2. So I bought a loincloth, and look at this phrase, according to the word of the Lord, and put it around my waist. Look at the same thing in verse 5. God told him to hide it in the cleft of the rock. Watch what his response was. 
So I went and hid it by the Euphrates. What? As the Lord had commanded me. So this is just an important note to start off as you read this narrative. That Jeremiah is following and listening so closely to the Lord. And the Israelites, the people of Israel and Judah are not. Jeremiah is doing everything that they are not. Now, God's not just messing with Jeremiah. He's not just like just putting like random activities and, and, and making them walk here and there for fun. And this is a metaphor, and God uses metaphors in scriptures to teach us it. And so there's some hidden meaning that we've got to find. Okay? Let me start in verse 8 now. God has a lesson in mind, and he's going to teach Jeremiah. He's going to teach us right now. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Thus said the Lord, even so, I will spoil the great pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. This evil people who refuse to hear my words. See, they didn't listen to God. You see that? How Jeremiah is totally opposite, different than what they were doing. Who stubbornly follow their own heart and have gone after other gods to serve them and worship them. It shall be like this loincloth. And so there it is. There's, there's the meaning of our passage. Here we have Israel and Judah, and they are like the loincloth. If they cling to God, if they hold fast to God, then they will be a people, a praise, a glory, a name for God. But if they don't cling to God, Look at the rest of verse 10. This is kind of the sharp rebuke or the hard truth of this passage. If they don't cling to God, what will they be? What will their worth and their ministry be like? Which is good for nothing, says the ESV. They'll be useless. If they don't trust God, They'll be useless. Let's continue for verse, uh, through verse 11. For as the loincloth clings to the waist of a man, so I made the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to cling to me, declares the Lord, that they might be for me, and here it is, a people, a name, a praise, and a glory. But they would not listen. So friends, as long as the people of God clung to him, they would be used by him. They would be a praise for him. But when they decided, and when they would not listen to him, and when they would trust their own strength, when they would cling to their abilities and experiences and things like they would be useless for God. Do you see, do you see God saying that? Do you, do you see how it's not Newman? This idea of uselessness, uh, to be good for nothing, uh, this, is, this is one of my greatest fears in my life. I don't want to be, I don't want to be useless. Oh, there's Mike. It's good for nothing. Right? I have never met a believer who has said, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, I don't, I don't want to be used by God. No, no, no. Not interested. I've never met one. Everyone, 100%. Wants to be used by God. They want to. Amen? Do you want to be used by God? 
How are you going to be used by God? You must cling to Him. That's the answer, period. You must trust Him. It's, it's, it's crazy that the Bible doesn't give this list. This like bullet point. You, well, then you got to do this. Da, da, da. He says, you got to cling to me then. Or else you won't be, you'll be useless. Paul prayed for Timothy in this same way. Don't go there. Let me just read it for you. Jot it down in the margins. Two, uh, Timothy 2.21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful. <laughs> He'll be useful in the Master's hand, ready for every good work. Oh, to be useful. Here's the point. In Sunday, as God has called you to take part in helping others grow in Christ. You must cling to God in your ministry. Everybody's given a ministry, a calling. If you don't cling to God in this calling to love one another, to help one another grow as disciples of Christ, to make disciples, to do deliberate good for you name it. I'm trying to use all the definitions so everyone understands. If you don't cling to God, uselessness. So in your groups, if you're not trusting the Lord, if you're not going to Him and asking Him by His Holy Spirit to work in and through your life for the sake of other people, I, I think the modern day way to say it is that you are wasting your time. I, would there be other, any other translation? We're wasting our time if we're not trusting Him that the other person would grow in Christ. Lord, I pray for Bob. I pray for John. I pray that he would grow this week. I'm trusting that You would help him. Lord, would You use me in his life so that he would grow? He's struggling. I don't know how. I'm trusting You, Lord. Did You work? That's the kind of people that God is calling us to be. I'm going to trust you with the results, Lord. I'm not going to like throw gimmicks at him. I'm not just going to be cliche. I'm not going to. I am going to trust you to work. How many of you have gone to a coffee with someone or a lunch with someone, whatever, you've gone to their house and you're expecting one thing and you have trusted the Lord and then he totally does something else. And you're like, whoa, Lord, man, praise the Lord that you're in control and not me. And then how many times have you said, I'm in control. I think I know what is needed here. And you do what you think is needed. And you're like, why in the world did I do that? That was not what the Lord wanted. I was clinging to myself. We've all been there. Thank the Lord. He's given us direction through His Word on what we need to do. What's the Word we need to do? Yes, that's what we need to remember. Okay, so last question. As we, as we round third, okay? We're coming home. The question has to be asked. Ready? Is Christ clingable? There's probably better ways to ask it. Is God trustworthy? Does He have a track record of proving faithfulness where I can go to Him and say, 
You've done it in the past. I'm going to trust you for this present situation. Is he clingable? And I would say, absolutely. But we've got to ask that so we don't become cl cliche Christians. Oh, just trust the Lord. Oh, we just got to cling to Him. What does it mean then to cling to Him? Or are we just left with this ambiguous trust? We're just going to just trust. If I can prove to you in the next five minutes from the book of Jeremiah that that Christ is clingable, will you do it in your life and ministry? Let's do it. Let's do it together, okay? Turn to chapter 23. 23, verse 5. You can't preach Jeremiah without, without mentioning these two passages of Scripture that I'm going to share with you. Watch God's faithfulness through His Son, Jesus Christ, through all of time. Verse 5, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as the king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Isn't that awesome? We know that this prophecy from God to and through Jeremiah has been fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That God rose up a righteous branch by sending his son Jesus. Right then and there, he's proven a track record of faithfulness that spans way more than our lifetimes. The verse, uh, chapter 31, verse 31. This is the one that everyone loves and remembers. This is the one about a new covenant, if you remember. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Look at that. A new covenant. He's got a plan for the future. Things are going to change right now from the Old Testament in Jeremiah's time. They're going to change. And I promise... I promise I'm going to do it, says God. Just skip down to the middle of 33. It says, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. If you have experienced conversion, you've experienced this verse. God has taken your heart of stone. He's replaced it with a heart of flesh. And he's written his law, which is Jesus, on you and in you. It's wild and it's awesome. Hey, if you've never experienced that, I want to invite you that you can know God through Jesus Christ today. doesn't matter if you're really old or really young. You can know God. God loves it when people come to him. Friends, he is trustworthy. In Jeremiah 23, Jeremiah 31, he's got a proven track record of being faithful to his word. He promised long ago that Jesus would come, and he did. He has done this. He can certainly accomplish 
whatever you are trusting Him with. You got that? Oh, I want you to hear that. Hey guys, if He has bridged the gap between heaven and earth by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, the biggest gap ever known to man, then He is trustworthy. He can do it in your life now. I love, I love being your pastor because I know you and I know what you're trusting the Lord with. I know the marriages out there and the hurts and the pains and the parenting challenges and students that are trusting the Lord with relationships and tests. I know it. Friends, God can do it. You can trust Him because He's trustworthy. The Father sent His Son to purchase you so that you would be a people and a praise and a name and a glory for Him. Do you believe that? It's true. God wants to use you in this life, in your life, and He wants to use you in this local church. So it starts here. So here's the question. You need to ask God upon receiving God's Word this morning and going from here. Who, Lord? <laughs> That's it. Who? Like, how do you want to use my life for the sake of others' growth and progress and joy in the faith? Lord, who are you sending me to? And in that process, Lord, will I cling to you? It's where we go wrong a lot. We get that answer of who? All right. I'm going to go to this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then what's, what's our mode of operation? I'm going to do this. I'm, I, I. And it's, all right, Lord, you're going to have to do this. According to your word, I'll follow you. You with me? Joe, would you come back up? Josh, Becca, would you lead us in a time where we can respond to this word? We're going to just let this breathe a little bit. So that you would have the opportunity to say, all right, the, the word of God, that was fresh bread for me today. Man, I was headed this way. It corrected my path. It sent me on a different trajectory. And Lord, I want to follow you. It's January. It's 2023. I'm seeking you. Who, Lord, are you sending me to? How are you going to use me in the life of this local church? Lord, would you use my giftings that you've given me for your name, your praise, all that you are. Let's go to the Lord. Would you stand with us? Mm -hmm.